You are tuning in to the Atlanta Realtors Rundown, the official podcast for the Atlanta Realtors. We're here to keep you updated with the latest trends, topics, and keep you in the know of our ever-changing Atlanta market. We hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to another episode. I'm Dr. Lee Davenport, and I am honored to be joined by a friend that embodies Dr. King's nonviolence philosophy. Our special guest today is Dr. Elizabeth Rosner, AKA Dr. Roz, who is the Nonviolence 365 Special Projects Manager at the Martin Luther King Jr. Center for Nonviolent Social Change right here in Atlanta, Georgia. Thank you, Dr. Ross, for joining today's discussion on Dr. King's dream. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Lee, for having me. I am absolutely delighted to be here and delighted to talk to your audience about Dr. King and nonviolence and housing. And um, I, I just am truly honored that you've asked. So thank you. Thank you again. You're such a great person. And, you know, I know doing these interviews, um, I don't know, it, it sometimes it feels like there's a lot of podcasts out there. So I'm very appreciative to each and every person that joins us here on the Atlanta Realtors Rundown. So again, thank you. You are so welcome. Like I said, I am truly honored to be here. So thanks. Yay. Well, before we get started, I always like for us to get to know our guests a little bit with some fun rapid fire real estate questions Ooh, I, didn't, okay. <laughs> I didn't give these to you in advance on purpose. Good. All right, then. <laughs> Just so we can get your gut responses. But these are fun. So don't feel like you're getting ready to take the SATs or anything crazy. Okay. All right. Okay. So here we go. Deck or patio? Ooh, deck. Okay. Beachfront or mountain view? Ooh, this one's really tough. Uh, my son was born on St. Simons, so love the beach. We just got back from Hawaii, so love the beach. But I think Mountain View. Okay. Yeah, but also uh, fall is my favorite time of year. And, you know, mountains and the fall and the leaves and the colors and the, you know, so it, but it's a, that's a tough one. I agree. And it feels like every time I do this, sometimes it's like, we want both and please and thanks. Yes. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. And living in Georgia, you can have both. Absolutely. Our mountain ranges are gorgeous. And like you yes. said, St. Simon, Savannah, we've got these beach or Lake Lanier. You know, we've got. These yes, beach exactly. Exactly. Minimalist decor or bold colors. Oh, sister, all day long, bold colors. Yes. So for those of you that are listening and you're not watching the video, you can see in my background, just in my office and what I'm wearing that I like the bold color. So <laughs> that's that's not a difficult one at all. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay. And last one. And I feel like I know because we have shared some discussion on this. I feel like I know, but maybe not. Peloton or Infinity Pool. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, yes, Peloton, definitely. Now, I don't have a Peloton bike, but I have the Peloton app. And um, it is something about that circle on that app. And I it's been like, like 120 days 
since I skipped a workout. So like sometimes that workout is only a meditation. It might only be a five minute meditation, but it's something in my mindset. And so I love, love, love all things Peloton. And so, yeah, that that's what I would choose. I love it. And you have been the one that actually put me onto the Peloton meditation ever since you mentioned um, one of the meditations by Chelsea Jackson Roberts. I've been uh, doing it almost every yeah. week, pretty regularly. Yeah. Yes. Yes. She does that. uh, She does that Juneteenth one. And um, it just takes me, I mean, it's got some hymns in there and it, I, it's from June of 21. um, But I still listen to that one. That's the, that's the most listened to meditation that I use. And then I have the stretching one that I've been doing with uh, Maddie Majacomo and he calls her, it's something like the high empress or the high priestess something, but he says, Dr. Chelsea Jackson Roberts. And I didn't know she was doctor. So she, we need to give her her props as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you again for that. So that was just our little fun icebreaker. Now let's get into today's topic for some context for our audience. As we approach the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday, for those of us in real estate, his life, sacrifice, and death has a special meaning. More specifically, and lest we forget, Dr. King's heinous assassination ushered in the passage of the decades-long battle for the more rigorous Federal Fair Housing Act of 1968 and the subsequent revisions and amendments that we currently have in place that so many of our protected classes fall under which I think is a beautiful thing. Um, It finally passed that Civil Rights Act of 1968, unfortunately passed within a week of Dr. King's assassination because of his assassination. And again, it just took years of meetings, marches, delays, filibusters, revisions, so many different things. And notably, I do wanna include this quote, President Johnson viewed the act as a fitting memorial to Dr. King's life work and wished to have the act passed before Dr. King's funeral in Atlanta. And so it was. So here we are almost 55 years later. We've come a very long way, but Mm -hmm. as with anything, there's still work to do. There's still room for improvement, right? So with all of this, especially in light of the very recent, within the last year or two, there has been new cases regarding redlining that Mm. is illegal. It's prominent mortgage lenders, yet it's still happening. Even back in 2019, before the pandemic, Newsday had an expose that revealed um, steering issues still happening. And then- Yeah, it's crazy. And we even have seen in the news cycle recently more stories of unfair housing. Not that it's more, well, no, actually, there was a report that just came out that shows that in the last decade, so now we're in the two, uh, the 2010s, the 2020s, in the last decade, um, unfair housing has increased by roughly 75%. And this data was based off of Fannie Mae um, data, which is 
it's mind boggling. So right. assassination ushered in laws, but we see laws aren't always, they're not magical. Laws don't guarantee that violations won't occur, right? Right. That's a long background for everybody that's listening. But before we delve more into some of that, tell us a little bit more about you. What was your journey to getting involved with the King Center. And then we'll talk about what fair housing means to you and even to the King Center. Yes, yes. So um, so uh, for those of you that aren't on video, if you can hear my voice, I'm white, I'm Southern. And uh, I read a book in my PhD program. Let me back up. My high school, uh, I went to high school in Athens and my high school was 50% white, 50% black. And uh, I graduated in 1988. And so President Reagan had been the president through middle school and high school. And honestly, when I graduated high school from this this fully integrated high school, I believed that we were in a post-racial society. And I was told that implicitly and explicitly. I mean, look at the high school you go to, look at all the opportunities that um, everyone has. And so it wasn't until my PhD program where I read Race Matters by Dr. Cornell West that completely change the trajectory. Because then I started thinking, yes, my high school was 50% Black, but the college prep classes were not 50% Black. In fact, there were very few students of color in there. And of the students that were there of color, um, we had some Indian students and some Asian students. We did have some African-American students, but um, that's where I began to see, huh, if that's not true, what are some other things that aren't true? And I will admit to you uh, in full transparency, when my son was in ninth grade, um, he's 23 now, when he was in ninth grade and he, we were talking about the Civil War, I sincerely said to him, which is what my family had taught me and what teachers had taught me, that, um, that the South did not fight the Civil War for slavery, that it was for states' rights. To which my son said, Mom, the states' rights to do what? And I said, oh, so I think we, we have to start with having that open mind, having that open heart, understanding that you've been given a lot of information, but it might not be the full picture. And so I began what I call a series of unlearning and relearning. So um, went through a lot of different iterations, went through um, Be the Bridge, um, which was an amazing um, group. And so through Be The Bridge, I started following different folks on Twitter and I started following the King Center on Twitter. And when I started following them on Twitter, at that point, I live where I live now, which is uh, in Swanee. So I'm about 45 minutes north of the King Center. And I didn't know it existed. I am 52 years old, grown up in Georgia and did not know the King Center existed. And so I started following them on Twitter and I see that they're going to do a two-day orientation to Dr. King's methodology and philosophy. And immediately I was like, oh, I want to know what that is. And so I, I have a mentor who says our identity is where we put the dent in the universe. And sitting at the King Center during that two-day orientation, I knew that my dent was to somehow teach nonviolence to the rest of the world. I didn't know what that was going to look like. I didn't know how that was going to happen. But I knew that this was the thing that so many people had been missing. 
And one of the most lovely portions of nonviolence for me, it number one, it is a, a personally transformative uh, methodology and philosophy. And then we look at cultural and societal transformation. But the other thing is it takes the focus off of people and puts it on issues. And again, growing up, and it's even more polarized today than than before, but you you don't have to decide well, I only vote for people with a certain letter behind their name, or I only, you know, look for organizations, whatever, you know, it's, it's that opportunity to say, you have a heartbeat, and therefore you have dignity, and you're a part of interconnectedness and humanity. And therefore, I extend agape love to you. So um, that was in April of 2018. And I, you know, bought the books and started studying and didn't know, you know, like I said, where this was going to go. In August of that year, I get an email from Dr. Bernice King. Now, you know, we get emails from famous people, you know, but they probably didn't sit and write it. But this is sincerely from her. And she says, Elizabeth, I'm being asked to teach my father's philosophy and methodology around the globe. I'm assembling a training team. Are you interested? And I said, who who isn't i mean like who would say no to dr bernice king right and i was like yes ma'am i am all in and uh so we started our training in august of 20 or september of 2018 and uh i was certified um at one level in february of 19 and then i got my next certification uh i think that following december so i don't know how long winded if that was too long winded but that was a bit of my trajectory so Thank you so very much for just being so candid with your story. And for those in our audience um, that perhaps may not be familiar, Dr. Bernice King is Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s daughter, in case anyone is not familiar. But what a beautiful journey. And I love just even the definition of identity. You've given us so many nuggets just in all of that. Good. Good. <laughs> great, great, great. Well, so tell me then, I'm, I'm going to kind of shift gears into Dr. King's stance on fair housing. And I will say to the audience, I got a chance to take part in the course that the King Center has developed. Not that this is an ad for the King Center, but as we're approaching Dr. Martin Luther King's birthday and the remembrance and the honor, the just the the dedication and the, I don't know, there's so much surrounding his day, right? So it's the National Day of Volunteerism. Mm -hmm. um, it is also really a time to reflect on the sacrifices, not just of Dr. King, but really of the civil rights movement. And again, fair housing is a direct result. So I think mm -hmm. it's so important for us to remember these roots, to tie the thread through it, that yes. gold thread, you know? So yes. tell us a little bit more. Um, in my experience of going through the course, there, again, it goes through a lot of the campaigns that Dr. King participated in, including this, this again, final, I hate to say final hurrah, but this is really the some of the last things that he participated in in his life regarding fair housing. Um, 
so what are your thoughts on what fair housing meant to Dr. King and even how we as professionals, as we're coming upon MLK Day, what we can do to honor his legacy and even fair housing? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So um, I know you said this is not an ad for the King Center, but I am a walking, breathing ad every day for the King Center. So I'm going to point everybody back to the King Center. Yes, y'all, please, y'all, please come and come to the website. So um, so what I want to do first is um, situate fair housing in, um, in Dr. King's full philosophy and methodology. So he talked about the aftermath of nonviolence is the creation of the beloved community. Again, for those of you that are, are listening on podcast, um, I I believe in, you know, living something, breathing something, even wearing something. And so I have a jacket that um, actually one of the certified trainers, uh, Fly Bobo, is a designer. And she helped me design this. And it looks like it's just swirls. But really, it's people holding hands. And if you if you zoom in really close, you can tell it's different. Um, it's different skin tones. It's different hairstyles. And everybody's holding hands. Nobody does not have somebody's hand to hold. And then, and then we've written beloved community throughout it because that's what I want to see happen. That's what Mrs. King, when she founded the King Center, that was her vision. That was Dr. King's vision, creation of the beloved community. And within that, Dr. King would talk about that there were three barriers to creating the beloved community. So it was poverty, racism, and militarism. So when you think about fair housing, you can't think about it in this extrapolated place over here by itself. It's part of this bigger picture. And so it's really situating that within the beloved community. And oftentimes people will say, well, I don't even understand what nonviolence is. And is it nonviolent communication? Is it, you know, what Gene Sharp did? Is it what Gandhi did? And so the King Center definition is nonviolence is a love-centered way of thinking, speaking, engaging, and acting that leads to personal and then cultural and then societal transformation. So every bit of that, when you think about fair housing, every bit of that is situated in this love-centered way of thinking and understanding that ultimately what we're shooting for, what we're, what we're heading for is the beloved community. So Dr. King's last book is Where Do We Go From Here? Chaos or Community. And he talks a lot in here about housing. As you can imagine, as uh, Dr. Lee has so aptly said, um, you know, this book was was uh, published in 1968. He was assassinated in 1968. And then um, aptly so. And, and I think so I. um I love the way that you situated um, what happened with his assassination and then what President Johnson said and then the passage, because the very last section in the book is entitled housing, the very last section. So um, so when he says um, one of the things he says, um, he says, we uh, the possibilities for decent integrated housing are not as remote as increasing segregation in large cities would indicate. And he goes on to talk about all these different ways that he believed that we could all have fair housing. And it, it's important that he says the federal government should be subsidizing housing activities on such a scale that all American housing meets at least minimum standards of adequacy. And in 2022, I don't know that that's the case, Dr. Lee. 
I don't know that that's the case. In another place, and this is one of my favorite quotes of his, he says, our nettlesome, our nettlesome task. So it's not going to be easy. Our nettlesome, nettlesome task is to discover how to organize our strength into compelling power. So not only are we talking about the housing issue, but you you extrapolate it out and you say, OK, what can we do today? What can we do in Atlanta? What can we do in Georgia? What can we do in the U.S.? What can we do in the world? And really, that answer is the same is what how are we going to organize our strength into compelling power? And he also in this book, he talks about that we have a choice today. This was 1968. And I would say that we have this choice today. Even more so. It's either nonviolent coexistence or violent co-annihilation. Mankind's last chance to choose between chaos or community. And isn't that what real estate professionals do? You're not, you don't just sell somebody a house. You sell somebody a house in a community or a condo in a community, or you're helping them rent an apartment in an apartment community. It's, it, you know, it's even, even if you go out and help somebody buy, you know, 500 acres of land, then most times they are not going to run their own electricity and, you know, grow their own food. They're going to need a community that's going to somehow come together. And so um, this, this last book, I mean, it, as you can see, it is, I have sticky notes and, and underlinings and, you know, things circled. And so, um, so when you asked me, you know, specifically about fair housing, I was I was delighted to be able to share this book. So, oh, thank you. That is so rich. And it is interesting to see that many of Dr. King's words from the 1950s and 60s, fortunately, but also unfortunately, still resonate today. Right. Exactly. So it implies that we do still have work to do. We've come a long way, but there are still things to be done. I love that you have tied in the nonviolence philosophy. And I know there is sometimes a misunderstanding where nonviolence seems like weakness. But I think in the political climate that we're in, nonviolence is now more important. I won't say than ever, because it was definitely important in the 40s, 50s, 60s, because there was a real threat to life right? Homes were being bombed, churches were being bombed. But I would say, hopefully we won't get back there. But I think it is still very important that there is this level of dignity that we're yeah. holding for other people. So can you say a little bit more about what that looks like as we are focused on building community, building a beloved community, as the King Center calls it, um, in regards to housing? Yes, yes. So let me um, read this quote to you from, from Mrs. King, and this is her definition of the beloved community. So she says, to me, the beloved community is a realistic vision of an achievable society. So we talk about this a lot. It is realistic. It is achievable. One in which problems and conflicts exist, but are resolved peacefully and without bitterness. In the beloved community, caring and compassion drive political policies that support the worldwide elimination of poverty and hunger and all forms of bigotry and violence. So just taking that one line, 
What policies are driving fair has, housing practices? What what policies and um, the um, the the code of ethics that real estate agents follow? What what is eradicating the violence and the bigotry? Because anything again, when we look at the King Center definition of nonviolence, it's a love centered way of thinking, speaking, engaging, and acting. So if you are not love centered in the way that you're treating others, then then how are you how is that helping to perpetuate the beloved community? So you need to start with that love centeredness. She said, and this I love, the beloved community is a state of heart and mind. So we have our emotions, but we have our our thoughts too. And it's important that those are in alignment. You know, how many times have folks said I don't think this is the right thing, but it's expedient for my career. And so I'm going to do this thing. So that may be the case. <clears throat> but I believe in my own life, I have seen that when I've acted where my heart and my mind were not in alignment, it ultimately has not been to the to my benefit. It might have been a short-term benefit. So she says, it's a spirit. The beloved community is a spirit of hope and goodwill. It transcends all boundaries and barriers and embraces all creation. At its core, the beloved community is an engine of reconciliation. So it's that coming together. This way of living seems a long way from the kind of world we have now. But I do believe it is a goal that can be accomplished through courage and determination, through education and training, if enough people are willing to make the necessary commitment. So overall, my LinkedIn, people have asked me before, one of my tags is cultivating 8 billion nonviolent practitioners with the Beloved Pledge. And we can talk about the Beloved Pledge uh, before I go. But, um, but it is understanding that it's not just for Atlanta, again, and it's not just for Georgia, but this, we're looking at 8 billion. The 8 billionth person will be born sometime in the next month. And um, what does that look like if all 8 billion are saying, let's be love-centered in this. Let's let's think about how, how we're acting to one another, how we're engaging one another. That was beautiful, Dr. Ross. Thank you for sharing that. And I would like for us to go through the Be Love Pledge. Before we do, though, um, in regards to the King Center, for those that are in Metro Atlanta or visiting Metro Atlanta, or even if they're not, as far as online, what can people do if they want to explore more about Dr. King, the King Center, and in particularly what that means, what this day means? Yes, yes, yes. Well, uh, you you heard in the course of Barbara Harrison talking about um, the first iterations of the King holiday, that it is not a day off, it is a day on. And so I am delighted that folks are interested in that. Um, we have a huge slate of events um, that happen in and around what we call King Holiday Observance, um, KHO. And um, one of the things um I am so excited about this. We we uh, every year on his birthday we have a um, a commemoration service at Historic Ebenezer, and we have a, a keynote speaker. And this year it's Brian Stevenson, who is um, founder of the Equal Justice Initiative and author of the book Just Mercy. And 
um, all the things that he's doing. I mean, I am just so, so, so excited that um, that he is going to be speaking. And that, of course, is broadcast internationally. And so um, so folks can, um, I think there are some limited seats there at Historic Ebenezer, but then folks can watch that um, locally and then through um, YouTube and Facebook. Um, there's a whole, if, if you go to the King Center website and maybe Dr. Lee, if you could drop that maybe in the show notes, it's, um, you know, go to thekingcenter.org and you'll see King Holiday and you'll see all the different events. Um, I know that we'll be hosting a Nonviolence 365 training during that time. I know um, in the past we've done a beloved community international summit. So I think there will be something about that. We have done um, a focus on nonviolence and youth. And so um, I feel certain that you know there will be some activities around that uh, also if you go to uh, resources we have um, resources um, for classrooms so um, teachers and last year during students with king we reached something like 22 countries and 700,000 students or something like that. And so there are a lot of resources uh, there um, and there will be more uh, resources available for teachers to download. Um, the other thing that I will say during that time or whenever, you know, whenever you, you want to, um, if you, for those of you that haven't visited the King Center, um, if you would come and visit our physical space, it is, it, it is a living memorial to Dr. King and Mrs. King. It is it is not a dead monument. And so we have the the uh, the pool there, the reflecting pool. And of course, Mrs. King and Dr. King are entombed there. Um, also, we have, you know, just lovely grounds. I mean, it's it's when I drive onto the like just pull in the parking lot. I know I'm home. I know I am home. And when you, when you are there at the King Center, you can go up the hill just a little bit, go up over, and you will see the birth home, which is actually where Dr. King was, was born. So he wasn't born in a hospital. He was actually born in that home. And if you stand there and look at that home and then you turn around, you can see the the economic disparities that Dr. King grew up looking at. Because on one side are some one-story duplexes and not too far apart are some two-story homes. And so you can see even then that he understood that there was um, some inequalities happening. And so if you if you come there and, of course, um, you know, all of his books and we have a lot of great um, liter other literature and we have a lot of swag at the bookstore. And so, you know, come come grab some some books. But, you know, like I said, this this his last book, Where Do We Go From Here? Chaos or Community? As Dr. Lee said, um, fortunately and sometimes unfortunately, his words deeply resonate today. And it feels many times as if he wrote it yesterday when I'm reading it. So um, so that's one way I think that they could um, could participate. The other is we have a uh, beloved community gala, gala, and uh, we give out awards, the beloved community awards. And one of the awardees is Dolly Parton for um, all that she has done for education. But you can go online and see all the awardees and um, purchase tickets to the gala event as well. Nice. Well, again, Dr. Ross, thank you so much for your time today. As we wrap this up, can you uh, take us home with the Be Loved Pledge? 
Yes. Yes. So everybody can go online and, and um, read this at the kingcenter.org forward slash be love. And um, my husband and I are up early. So we do our quiet time, our devotionals at 530 every morning. And so we read this be love pledge that sets our day apart and we read it together. And then when I come in my office, I read it again to just set apart my work day and let it. Um, and so, yes, this is the be love pledge. It says, join us around the world in taking the pledge. I acknowledge three things. The violence, oppression, inequity, injustice, and hate in our world has to stop. I have a responsibility and role to play in creating social change for a more just, humane, equitable, and peaceful world. The decision is mine whether to do nothing in this moment or to have the courage to stand up for justice. And I have made my decision. Starting today, I make a personal choice to be love. I pledge to allow love to drive my thoughts, words, decisions, and actions and honor the humanity of every individual. I pledge to speak the truth to power and love. I pledge to focus on defeating injustice and not destroying the person. I pledge to support leaders who demonstrate a love for humanity. I pledge to promote unity and refuse to perpetuate or magnify division. I pledge to demonstrate a life of courage, care, and compassion as I boldly confront anything that stands in opposition to love. By signing this pledge, I'm helping to create what Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. called the beloved community. One of my favorite lines in the whole thing, I pledge to allow love to drive my thoughts, my words, my decisions, and my actions, and I will honor the humanity of every individual. What does the beloved community look like if every single one of us is doing this? And our theme for this year is it starts with me. So earlier in the pledge, you know, I have a choice. I have a decision. Nonviolence starts with me. So it starts with me cultivating a beloved community mindset that transforms unjust systems. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Dr. Roz at the King Center. It has been such an honor. Thank you again. And to our audience, we'll see you next time. Thank you, Dr. Lee. Appreciate you. Thanks so much. Thank you for tuning in to the Atlanta Realtors Rundown. Please subscribe. And for more information on how to get engaged, check us out at atlantarealtors.com. We look forward to having you join us for the next episode.